Y'all are a little quiet. I don't know if you can't sit down and say good morning at the same time, but we can do that again. Good morning to you. There we go. That's a little better. I feel more welcomed here. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Parks Church, and uh, so glad that you are with us. Thank you, son. Um, And uh, we are grateful uh, to uh, see. I see uh, many uh, new faces. Uh, Some of you I got a chance to meet this week, and you may be wondering if you weren't with us this week what all of the... uh, travel and boats are about. We are um, not literally going on a journey, but this last week our kids ministry led uh, kids all throughout our city on a journey um, to uh, knowing Christ and uh, falling more in love with Him. And so that's what, uh, through Kids Summer Bash, if you were, if you had a kid with us at Kids Summer Bash, raise your hands. We just acknowledge you. Look, yeah, awesome. You had so many kids here. Um, it was a joy to um, just be able to see those kids. And I, I wanted to take a moment to just acknowledge uh, the greatness of that week. Many of you, I'm looking out and I saw you all week. You sacrificed every night of your week uh, so that you could be here and point uh, kids to Jesus. And um, that is a beautiful thing uh, and something to rejoice over. Um, and want to acknowledge again, um, Jessica and uh, Shelly, our uh, Parks Kids and Parks Littles ministers, just thankful for their leadership. They did an amazing job at pulling all of this off. And um, so I hope you were as blessed as I was by this week, but um, we're so glad that you're here. And especially if you had a child here and they're enjoying Kids Church and just continuing on the journey that they began uh, when they came to Kids Summer Bash this week. We are in a journey walking through Proverbs, as you heard uh, Carson read for us uh, from Proverbs chapter 3. And um, just working our way through, and uh, because of the length of this, this book through the summer, we're doing more of a survey of Proverbs. We're not hitting every single proverb uh, one by one. Um, as I talked about, I think, in our first week, I'd encourage you to maybe take up that uh, discipline as part of your devotional time. There's 31 uh, Proverbs. There's 31 days in most months, or at least some of the months. And so you can read a proverb a day and just grow in wisdom. And the thing that we are, uh, we're seeing is that, that the the Proverbs are given to us as wisdom from God to accompany the big truths of who He is. And so the gospel and the good news that we know of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished on, on our behalf, um, that, that gives us hope and security and something to kind of look forward to and, and obviously to anchor us. But every day we live through daily events and occurrences and you might find yourself wondering, what is it that I should do? How do I handle this situation? All of those questions. And God in His kindness gave us Proverbs, a book like Proverbs to give us the wisdom of God. We can hear from him, know, and and be wise as God is wise. I know, I don't know many of you, if you're if you're like me, to have the wisdom of God would be is is something to marvel at. Um, to be able to think that the that God who created the world, who put the sun in the sky this morning, who orchestrates all of events through all time and history, cares about us, loves us. Um, knows us well enough to know that he can give us his wisdom and we can use that to guide our lives. There are so many things that inform our decisions and how we lead our lives. We've got television and 
um, movies, and if you're of my generation, so often we kind of look to those things in the media that would be kind of where we'd have our enjoyment, our fun, but also in some senses be informed about how we should handle situations. Today, now we have social media, um, and, and these remind us more and more of all of the things that we should be doing, but one of the things that we know about both of those things, movies and television, social media and the like, is none of them are real life. It seems that we all want to know something. We want to know how to get by. We want to know how to enjoy life. And Proverbs gives us wisdom, and it's wisdom that is real. And it's wisdom about the right things in life. It also helps us to see life for what it is. Because, again, as we go out into the world, there are so many things that compete to tell us This is what life is. This is what life looks like. Here's a picture of it. And we need to be reminded of what real life looks like. We aren't going through Proverbs 2 today, but Proverbs 2 promises us that if we listen to God, our Heavenly Father, then we will receive His wisdom. I'll just read just a a couple of verses from Proverbs 2. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon instructed us to fear the Lord and to seek after that. Verse 6, he continues, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. God promises us to give us wisdom. Proverbs 2 gives us wisdom to flee from evil to turn away from that sin that we talked about last week, which is so enticing. But Proverbs 3 teaches us how to live well, how to go about daily life. And essentially, Proverbs 3 is a guide to success and rest. How many of us want to have success? Now, the definition of success is varied. Every single one of you, if I asked and we did a poll, those of you that would be bold enough to stand up and speak, you'd give me a different definition of success because success looks different to every single one of us. But there is a true success. There is a success that comes from the wisdom of God, and he gives it to us here in chapter 3. But he also gives us, along with success, rest. I was thinking about this this week as I thought about this concept of just rest and ultimately resting in God. Parents, how many of us, we think to ourselves, we want to provide for our children a better life. We want to give them more than we might have received as we were growing up. We do all of these things to sort of ensure that our kids have just the greatest life and protect them from all hurt and all of these sorts of things. And yet we wander around like chickens with our heads cut off, wondering how we could get some rest. We're exhausted. Are we modeling this for our children? Do we show them that it is okay to be still and to be calm and to just rest in God? Or do we run around like crazy people? Too often we run around like crazy people. I'm not calling you crazy. I'm just saying you run around like a crazy person. We do that. I do that. We get so caught up and we need to remember to rest and to rest in God. So Proverbs chapter 3, again, uh, beginning in verse 1, it's addressed. First it says, my son, do not forget my teaching. One of the things that we need to remember as we work our way through Proverbs is this, this is written to the son. 
This is not a way into. One of the things I don't want you to hear, especially if you're a guest this morning, you haven't heard uh, me speak before. I don't want you to hear that this is a way into God's blessing or this is a way to get into right relationship with God. He addresses it to my son. We have been adopted, chosen by God to be his sons and daughters through Christ. That's already happened. If you're a Christian today, you have been adopted as a son Or a daughter of God. He is speaking to us already as children. We are not trying to make our way into God's family by doing the right things or achieving this success and the rest that he's going to speak to us about here. We have received fellowship and we have been welcomed into the family of God, flaws and all. There's no flaw in your life today that would prevent you from being welcomed into the family of God. And as we have been adopted as sons and daughters, he now gives us wisdom to live and to live the life that he would call us to live. This calls for wisdom. It offers us two promises. In verse 2, it says, but let your heart, at the end of verse 1, let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace will be added to you. It offers us promises of favor and success. In verse 4 and in verse 10, it talks about our barns being filled with plenty, our vats being filled. And even in verse 16, it says later, we didn't read this, but it speaks of riches and honor. This sure sounds like a lot of promises of God of successful things that the world would want us to have. Length of days, wealth, possessions, all of these sorts of things. And if we're not careful, it can begin to sound a little bit like the prosperity gospel. Like if we do the right things, that God is going to make us healthy, wealthy, and comfortable. If we would just do everything that God would have us, if we would have enough faith and believe enough and have all of these things, then God would do these things. But before, again, before we get into the depth of each verse, I want to just speak clearly about this, that the prosperity gospel and that promise of wealth and health and comfortable life And all the things that we might sometimes desire for ourselves, they are found nowhere in the Bible. That's not a gospel at all. Prosperity gospel, the prosperity gospel is ultimately it's materialism disguised as religion. I want these things. I want to be comfortable. I want to have these possessions. I want to have health and wealth and all of those sorts of other things, these desires. And it pulls from verses, even some of these like these, very selectively. To be able to say, if I just believe this, then I can have this. If I do this, then I can have that. Name it and claim it. Ultimately, the prosperity gospel uses God for selfish gain. And it is pervasive in our culture today. It's a false gospel. And as Paul would say, it's no gospel at all because it's false. It doesn't give us hope. It's antithetical to the teaching of Scripture. Just consider Philippians 3, 7 through 11. And I won't read it verbatim, but it's... Essentially, a summary of this is, I've lost everything, but I've gained Christ, and because of that, I'm okay. I've lost, I have nothing in this world, but I have Christ, and I'm okay. The wealth of knowing Christ makes our circumstances secondary. When we know Christ and we have the hope of Christ, everything else that exists in our life becomes less important to us. But the prosperity gospel, it puts our attention on our circumstances. 
Everything we think about, are we healthy? Are we wealthy? Are we comfortable? Am I doing the things that I want to do? It puts us at the center of the world, and it assures us that we could just have it all. And that ultimately, when we do that, where is our attention? It's on ourselves, and it's not on Christ. But obviously here in Proverbs chapter 3, God gives us these promises. So what about these promises? Well, they are good. They are good promises, and God gives his children good gifts. But God also sends us pain. Look at verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father in whom he delights. He disciplines us. We look at Jesus as our example. He suffered on the cross. Yes, then he rose victoriously from the grave, suffering in death, prosperity in resurrection. The prosperity gospel teaches us that we should live our best life now. But the true gospel teaches us that our health will fail, the vats that are today overflowing with wine will one day dry up. But with all of that, we'll be raised to eternal life where our health will never run out where our vats and our barns will be overflowing with blessings, the presence of God himself. So yes, the Lord gives us barns, and sometimes they are full, but they're just the beginning of the story. They're just a foretaste of a future glory and a hope. Y'all know I like to quote C.S. Lewis, and this is a paraphrase in one of his books. It says, if we all wanted to know, if we all wanted now we would rest our hearts in those things. But our hearts were intended to find their rest in God alone. But being the good father that he is, God gives us these moments along the journey to refresh us. But he doesn't want us to ever mistake those moments for home. The thing that we are so often tended to do and tempted to do is we are going along the journey and we, we receive the good gift from God as a good father the blessing, the kindness of God, and we make that as if it is home. We need to remember as we walked our way through Daniel previously, we are on a journey, we are headed home. We are exiles in this land. This is not our home. But God in his kindness gives us these good gifts. And the true gospel, the true gospel assures us that we will get home. Because it's not based upon what we can do, it's based on what Jesus Christ has already done. So, Proverbs chapter 3 is not the prosperity gospel. It tells us two things. It tells us of the peace of God, and it tells us and calls us to trust in God. Proverbs 3, verse 2, excuse me, verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Notice that God gives these instructions and then an incentive. He says there in the beginning to his son, don't forget my teaching and you will have length of days and years of life. Keep my commandments and peace will be given to you. He's saying to us, do these things because they're going to help you. They're, they're good for you. Why do we tell our children to not touch the fire, to not stick their finger in the socket, to not go near the hot stove? Because they're good for them, and we want them to live most of the time. 
We want them to continue upon. God is calling us. He says, don't forget my teaching. He's saying, listen. Listen to what I say. Pay attention. And this is one of the biggest conflicts in our life. We all listen to something. We all listen to someone. And God is saying to us, if you'll listen to me, I will give you peace. Or to put it in the biblical term, I will give you shalom. I've heard the phrase shalom in the home. We want shalom. That is a biblical word that means peace. We desire peace. And God is saying, if you listen to me, I will give you wholeness and peace. And here's the good news, especially for me. He's not saying that you have to be smart. He doesn't say to be intelligent or do all of these things. He just says, listen, in all of my incompetence, in all of the train wreck of my life, if I will just listen to the Lord and pay attention to His gospel, His teaching and commandments, I'm going to be okay. And you will too. No matter what is going on in your life, if you'll listen to the Lord and pay attention to what He has to say, you will be okay. But our culture constantly pushes against that. And we're tempted to listen to anyone but God. I think more often than not in these days, we're tempted to listen to ourselves. Listen to ourselves, follow your heart, make yourself happy, be happy, any of the number of things that are sold on t-shirts, put on Instagram, all over the place. And I just mentioned in Instagram, the second thing that we're tempted to listen to is social media. If we're not listening to our hearts, we're going to listen to social media. Those are the two things that as I just examine and consider the world around me that I see us listening to over and over and over again. But when we listen to ourselves, we're usually, i just going to confess to you, I am usually led astray by my flesh because my flesh, what my heart says, guess what it feeds? My pride, my ego. It's focused on self-preservation. It's all about my life and completing it and finishing it and doing it to the best, whatever is going to serve me well, not God's ways. And when we listen or live for the reaction of social media, students, I know that this is something that you deal with, but they've learned it from somewhere, parents, so we follow the same thing. Even if we're not found on social media, we look for the attention and the hope and the kind of the encouragement from other people around us that says, hey, you're doing it right, you're okay. That's the same thing as likes on an Instagram post. But we follow that and we listen to that. And we think to ourselves, if we would follow that, then we're going to have life. But all we know, what we should know by now, is that that's a mirage. It tempts us to believe that there is life there, but when we try and arrive, we can't ever get there. If you've ever experienced a real mirage, it's something that is crazy to consider. I've been in a few places where I've seen and I've looked out and I was sure in the desert that there was water. I would have wagered much of my life's savings. That's not a lot, but all that $20 would have been put on that fact that there was water out there. And then we get there, and there's nothing there but more sand. And this is the thing that is tempting to us. All of these voices that surround us, and the culture tells us that there's life here, and there's life there, and then we never can get there. It's always just a bit out of reach. Consider this. As Christians... We should be the most satisfied people in the world because we've received eternal life. We have received the hope of the world. 
And yet we're constantly, even us, those of us who have received that gift are constantly striving for something else, thinking that we have, there's just something a little bit out of reach. The next thing on the ladder, the next piece of that relationship, if we can just get there, we'll be okay. But we're not. We're not satisfied as we should be because we're looking in the wrong places. But God says, if you'll listen to me, I will give you peace. He's offering us peace. And that peace comes through his son, the blood of his son. And because we forget that, that's what causes us to be the least satisfied people in the world. We forget, my son, do not forget what I have told you. We need to listen to different voices, friends. We're listening too often to the wrong voices. If you're listening to the Father, you will have peace. It's as simple as that. Listen to God, you will have peace. Because his peace is the one that surpasses all understanding. It does not make sense to the world is what that means. It seems strange. It seems odd. And that peace comes from keeping his commandments. Of course, this isn't just a call to obey, but it really is the idea of keeping the commandments is a, a, a key to guarding them, to consider them precious. Do you consider the commands of God, His Word, as precious to you? Every good heist movie or bank robber movie or any of those action thrillers has a good heist, right? Think about Ocean's Eleven and getting into the casino. It, I don't know about you, but it's, it's one of my favorite scenes. Or Ethan Hunt getting into the CIA vault. He's all... That didn't make you all think about that? I don't, you know, can't help you. I'm trying to act out here. Every one of them, and there's this vault, and it's how do you get into the vault? How do you solve this? How do they crack the code? Last week we talked about the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's a thief. There is a real thief who's trying to break into the vault that encompasses your heart, that holds your heart, and just fill it with lies. And the answer to that, the way that we protect the vault, is to store God's commandments, His truth, His word in our heart. So the thieves that come and try to break into our heart, there's no room. Who are these thieves that try to break into your heart? Who are the ones that try and tempt you to think something other than God? Guess what they're called? They're called idols. Over and over again, they show up as idols in our lives. And these are self-created ideas that we've been made to believe will lead to life. If this happens, then I'll be okay. I just want you to imagine for a moment. What does your life look like when you have total peace, total calm, when you've stopped all of the running around, what does peace look like? Maybe you need to even just close your eyes and think about that. Just envision it. If Jesus is the source of that life, then your heart isn't being stolen away by thieves. But if there is something other than Jesus that gives that peace, then your heart is being stolen by thieves right now. Thieves are breaking into the vault. And what this should cause us to do as Christians is alarm bells should be going off. It shouldn't take someone coming to you, although that is a gift from the Lord, and saying, brother or sister, I see this idol, I see this thing in your life that is not good for you. But alarm bells, if we're storing up the commandments of God and His Word in our heart, these alarms will start to go off and will tell us that there's a thief coming in to steal the peace that God intends to give. 
when we forget Christ as the source of our life, when we forget the complete rest that comes from the message of the gospel, that it is finished, it was finished on the cross of Christ, then we put our hopes in things that will only fail. They will surely fail. If your mind and heart, as you closed your eyes and just envisioned that, went to a job or a position, guess what? You can never rest because your salvation is found in that job, in that position, in the success that you have. If your heart went to a relationship, uh, whether a friend or a spouse or whoever it might be, then you can never rest because those relationships, earthly relationships between sinful human beings will break. There will be hardships. They will fall. Spouses will hurt you. Kids will break your heart. And you can never rest because you're constantly trying to figure out, how am I going to fix that? How am I going to get that relationship here or there? Rather than resting in Christ alone. And so we have to stay alert because we can so easily believe these lies. So quickly we're tempted. And the antidote to believing the lies is to guard the truth of God's word in our hearts. Constantly re-anchoring our hearts to his word. A few weeks ago I was driving. I had to go pick up some plants for our yard. And so I go to pick up these plants and they were... uh, tree-ish. They're not full-grown trees yet, but hopefully one day they will be, so you can pray with me over that. And just um, That's all the rain that we've been getting as a gift from the Lord to me over that. But anyhow, I go pick up my trees, and I put them on a trailer, and um, I was wise enough to bring a tarp with me, but not wise enough, going back to that part of me and not being real smart, to bring anything to anchor the tarp down with. And so I have the tarp, and so the guys that helped me put the trees in the back, we put the tarp over them again, because I, fi- I did think it through, hey, the wind will blow all these leaves off, and those trees will be dead before I get home. So I put the tarp over it, and I get some of their very not well done little string that they give me, and I try to tie on the tarp and hold it down, and so I get on Highway 5 and then down to 75, and I look in my rearview mirror about El Dorado coming north to Melissa, and that tarp is just going like this, and those leaves are bouncing, so I pull off to the side, and I get up there, and I try to retie, and I can tie some knots, but I'm telling you, these strings were just worthless. They were literally like less than a shoestring, so I'm trying to tie it on. Every, I had to pull over three times and re-anchor this tarp to these trees. And again, by God's grace, the trees live. But the reality is we have to live that way constantly, re-anchoring our hearts to God's word over and over again. Because we go through life, life is going to happen, and that tarp is going to come loose. Something is going to cause you to stumble. Some lie is going to creep in to your life, and you're going to begin to be tempted to believe that. And God is saying to us, do not forget my teaching. Listen, hear what I have to say. And we have to re-anchor over and over again. And as we do that, we will begin to look more and more like Jesus. When we look like Jesus, guess what shows up to the world? Jesus. Not ourselves. We look less like ourselves and we look more like Jesus. And guess what that looks like? to those. It looks like steadfast love and faithfulness. He says, let not steadfast love in verse 3 and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. As we live and continually anchor our hearts to God's word, we're going to be reminded of the steadfast love that he has for us, of his faithfulness to us. And as we go out into the world, we're going to find favor. We're going to look 
attractive to the world. And what do we want? To those people who are dying, whose tarps are flapping all over the place, and they literally, like me, didn't show up with any string at all. They want to come and look at our life and see and be able to find some hope in something that our lives are anchored to. And so we show off Christ to the world as we remember His Word and we live with that peace. When we run around, are we not only modeling something that's not healthy and good for our families and our children? Guess what? We are modeling something that does not look like peace to the world. We are looking as if we find our salvation in this accomplishment, this relationship, anything other than Jesus. But when we remember his word and we find our hope in his steadfastness, in his faithfulness to us, that gives us a peace. And that is that peace that passes all understanding. Guess what misunderstanding comes from? Somebody looking and saying, I wonder why. I wonder how. I wonder what causes that kind of peace. Peace in daily life. Not just in the high valleys or the deep trenches. I said that wrong. The high mountains and the deep valleys. That's for the audio version. We need to remember these things. And we can look and we can have peace and look peaceful to the world. So God gives us this peace, but how? How do we arrive at that peace? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, after he says, so you'll find favor and goodness in the sight of God and man, he gives us instructions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make, your, make straight your paths. These are probably the most famous verses in all of Proverbs, and maybe even some of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. And they tell us that our confidence is in the Lord. We desire peace. And peace, God promises us to us through the keeping of his commandments, through the keeping of his word. These verses tell us to put our confidence in God. The trust that He deserves is total and unconditional trust. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. One of the things that we struggle with is we partition our heart like a hard drive. I've got this part of my heart that's okay over here. I've got this part of my heart that goes in this direction. This part of my heart that chases after these idols and all these sorts of things. But God's word says that the entirety of our hearts must trust and put our, find our confidence in him with all your heart. Have you ever been around a Christian that inspired you, that, that strengthened your faith? A Christian whose boldness caused you to sort of step back a little bit and just be like, something weird about that one. Something that just caused you to be a little bit of awe. Here's what I can probably tell you about that person without knowing any of them individually. That person's trust was fully in God. They trusted the Lord with all of their heart. Too many of us are stumbling around like we're in a strange house with no power on. You ever done that? You're in the dark. You're thinking to yourself, I know there's a light switch somewhere here. The power goes out. Stumbling around trying to find light, trying to find something to light your path. We move so cautiously and slowly and we're just waiting that we are sure we are going to stub our toe. We know something bad is going to happen to us. Trusting in the Lord is walking through the dark house with full confidence that you're going to find the light switch. 
and not worrying one thing about what you're going to stub your toe on. Because we know that Jesus will see us through till the end. We have confidence. We put our trust fully in God. The word that is translated for us as trust is really a word that means to just throw yourself down on your face. Y'all didn't get this move, so I'm not going to do this move, but it's just to go all the way down, face just flat on your face, on the ground, prone before God, to lay down and just say, I put all of my trust in you. It's a position of complete and total reliance on God. We take all our sin all our failures, all the fears, all those things that you walked in here with wondering, perhaps is God going to speak something to my heart to remind me of who he is? All of those things we just lay down before God, head first. And we basically say to God, if God fails us, we are damned. But God says he will come through. And he does it forever and ever and ever, every time. One of the great theologians of old says this, pseudo-faith always arranges a way to serve, a way out to serve in case God fails us. Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails us. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman who trusted him. Brothers and sisters, if you are struggling this morning, put your trust and confidence fully in God. Give him your whole heart. Hold nothing back. And he will see you through to the end. He does not promise that it will be easy. He does not promise that everything will be comfortable, but he does promise that he will see us through. So how do we do this? How do we know if we trust in the Lord completely? Here's three ways that you know if you trust the Lord. If he is the anchor for your soul and he has your whole heart. First is the Bible rules your thinking. Every thought you have, every idea you have, is measured and weighed against this book. If the Bible says it, it's true. And your thoughts and the way you view the world and how you perceive everything around you is aligned to this book rather than the other way around. Too often we go through life and we think to ourselves, well, I think this or this feels right or this sounds pretty good. Again, those thieves are creeping into our hearts to tempt us away from anchoring ourselves to his truth And we will manipulate and kind of maneuver and change things to see, well, God's word kind of supports it this way or says it this way. That's where the prosperity gospel came from, taking these little bits and pieces of scripture and manipulating them to accomplish our own means and what we desire. But for us who trust in the Lord, the Bible rules our thinking. When you say you trust in the Lord, that means that everything is up for grabs when it comes to the Bible. What, is, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? This situation, that situation. You go to the Word. You hear from God Himself. The second way that you know after the Bible ruling your thinking that you have put your trust fully in Christ, in the Lord, is that you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I might, you might be thinking, I'm wondering how that kind of, how do we get there? But if you believe that you can get peace 
with God or for your friends and those people that you don't know, they can have peace with God forever by being a nice person, by doing the right things, by loving others pretty well, then you are probably believing that for yourself. If you believe it for others, you are going to believe it for yourself. And that means that you are not fully trusting in Jesus. You aren't trusting in His finished work on the cross alone for your salvation. You're putting your trust in some other things, in how kind you are, in how generous you are, in how thoughtful and all the other things that you might put on that list of good things. But when we are fully trusting in His work to save us, that's when we know that our hearts are fully trusting in Him. Trust in Him alone as your only Savior, the only means to salvation. And that's what we desire for others to know. By the way, friends, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as that Savior, as the hope, as the source of your salvation, the reason that we gather together is to be equipped to go out and love and present to you a people of peace that are anchored to God's Word, that care for you. And so we are so glad that you're here. And God brought you here perhaps so that you could hear that truth, that whatever it is in your life that you think might prevent you from a relationship with God and a peace that is, surpasses all understanding and peace that is eternal was satisfied when Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross for you personally. He saw you and said, I will lay down my life for you. And we, who call ourselves Christians, have put our trust in that work and in that alone. We invite you to believe with us. Third way, the Bible rules your thinking. You believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Third way that you acknowledge or demonstrate that your trust is fully in the Lord. Have you risked something to obey God? When's the last time you risked something? Perhaps you've risked a friendship or risked some social status. Students, this is one of the reasons that I would really challenge you to consider where you are and where your trust is at. Because I see so often how fearful you are of risking something for Jesus. There are so many things that I see God doing in your life, but are you willing to be risk, take on risk for Jesus, to take a stand and be the one and only person that takes that stand? We have to risk our lives for Christ. When is the last time families, moms and dads, everyone alike, we look radically different to those around us because of what Jesus has called us to do? Want to know how, how do we know that the Bible is ruling our thinking? Because when it says to do something, we go and do it no matter the risk, no matter what the consequences might be. That's why he says it costs something to trust Christ in verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Too often we're self-assured and we need to be Christ-assured. We need to find our trust and our confidence in Him. One of the most famous songs is Frank Sinatra, My Way. He says this in the last verse, For what is man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. 
to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. That is complete insanity with all due respect to the great Frank Sinatra's voice. We need to be people who do it God's way, who do it Christ's way, who trust completely in him to do it his way over and over and over again, no matter the blows that might come. Reliance on yourself will only lead to failure and destruction. So my call to us all as a body of Christ, let us fear the Lord, turn away from evil. And if we just did that, if you want to know just one simple thing to do today, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And you will see God at work in your life. He will be leading you to trust him more. Let me pray and then I'm going to invite our elder Kent Jones to come and lead us. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that we would be people who put our confidence in you, that our um, trust is fully in your word to us. Help us to be people who find our hope and our joy and satisfaction in life fully in the finished work, your finished work on the cross on our behalf. I do pray for any soul in this room that does not have that hope, Lord, who is searching is looking for answers in this life, would you, through the power of your spirit, show them that you are the answer. There will be hard things, there will be challenges in life, but we have peace because we have not forgotten your teaching. Help us to bind it to our hearts today, God. Help us to fear the Lord, to flee from evil, and to be the people you've called us to be. I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Every knee will bow, every eye will see. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.